The United Methodist Church has a membership covenant which reminds us how to be church. Those of you who are members of Pittman Park um, said that you would be faithful to this membership covenant. You may have spoken these words years ago, or you may have been recently invited in to the membership, the, the faithfulness of membership by joining this congregation. And as you came into the body of this community of people of faith, you pledged yourself to uphold five matters of great importance. The question that you were given is, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and uphold it by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service? And then if you know where this is in the hymnal, you'll realize that it is out of date now because General Conference has also added the word and witness. And witness. It is a matter of integrity that we take this membership covenant to heart. We are called to live the five. We are called to be attentive, to be committed to living out this membership covenant as a representation that it really does mean something in our lives. When I was pastor of Pine Forest Church in Dublin, I was in my office one day when a young woman from just down the street tapped on the door and said, may I come in for a moment? And what do you say at that point, you know? I said, of, of course. She said, I live just, just down the street. And she said, I've been meaning to stop and to talk with you. The building is so beautiful. And I have considered coming here to church. And I, I thought, this is wonderful. I said, won't you have a seat? And she sat down and in that conversation, she told me a little bit about her family and how long she had been living there in the community. And then she asked me a question. She said to me, she said, can you come to church without being expected to do anything? And that caught me off guard. I had not been asked that question before, and I did not initially know what to say. Now, as you know, my mind gets going, though, pretty fast at a certain point, and, and I began to spin answers in my mind. I thought of saying to her, of course you can. The pews are filled with people right now <laughs> that are coming to church and don't do anything, but I protected your reputation. I did not say that. <laughs> I looked at her and, and I, I, I was at a loss because I, I know what she, was, what she was seeking was an 
easy entry point. And if there's anything that the church should be doing is giving easy entry points to people that are seeking to connect. But there is, there's another side to this that you can even observe from outside. You don't have to observe it from inside. You know that there are some expectations that go with being a part of the community of faith. I, I put that question to you. What would you say to her? I mean, can you come to church without being expected to do anything? It's a hard question. For all of us, it's a hard question. What I keep coming back to in my mind is we don't get off so easy, finally. There is an expectation. In fact, in regard to this first matter of importance that we consider today, the matter of prayer, if we are to be a growing people in Christ, we do have to pray. There is an expectation that we enter into a life of prayer, actively enter into prayer. Let's consider for a moment this first matter of prayer. Isaiah welcomes us in by his words, so beautiful, even poetic, these words that are presented here. We could sing it as well as just read it. And Francois, you did a marvelous job of reading this. I love your accent, by the way. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. These are beautiful, beautiful words that invite us to remember the closeness of God. But you have to remember, to really understand the power of these words, you have to remember that the context is crucial. There had been such a loss of hope among the peoples. They were at the end of this long exile in Babylon when these words were first spoken and then written. These words were so different than what the people were experiencing. Many, if not most of the exiles, had actually been born in that foreign land. Think about that. You go over having been taken away from all that was familiar. And then you begin to have family of your own. The children that you have don't know the devastation that you have been through. All they experience from you is the fact that God somehow has turned his face away from the people. You grow up with that. And I can tell you, God's pretty distant. I mean, don't you see that some in our culture? Don't you see that happening in families occasionally? Where someone has a raw experience, they reject the idea that God is close. Their children have to go through hell to get back to God. How many people have I heard say, Preacher, it feels as if my prayers aren't rising above the ceiling. Maybe you've said this before yourself. It feels as if my prayers are not rising above the ceiling. 
because it matters not what I say. I'm not sure that God is listening to me. Pushed even further, some have confessed to me, I don't pray anymore because it gets me nowhere. John Wesley was aware of the critical nature of how we approach God. He made a list of 15 to 20 questions that he passed off to the small groups that he was starting. These classes and bands of early Methodists. And in that list of questions... One particularly is fascinating because he was not asking in a manner to appropriate one more duty. He did not ask, are you praying, as one of the questions. But he did ask this question, are you enjoying prayer? That's a very different question. He assumed that they would be praying But are you enjoying prayer? Is there this sense of emotional connectivity between you and your life and God who surrounds your life? I confess to you that I haven't always that connectivity going on. Years ago, I went into a hospital room in a small county hospital to pray with a member of my church. I knew that she had family and friends that were members of another congregation in the area. I did not know much about the family, but there were two aunts of hers that were there in the room. As I always do, Before I left the room, I offered a pastoral prayer. I said, in fact, let's connect hands around the bed and share prayer together. As I prayed, I thought I was doing a pretty good job. I wasn't. I wasn't. These family members who, bless their hearts, were from a very Pentecostal denomination, realized that this young preacher needed help. (laughs) And they began to weave the most beautiful prayer around my lame words. And they began to open for me the doorway of heaven just above us, And it was such a beautiful thing to hear their expressions. It was conversational, but it was more than conversation. It was the very presence of God being invoked. And frankly, I needed that. I needed that to remind me of how close God was. I tell you, the emptiness of our prayer 
is more symptomatic of our distance from God than God's distance from us. The Hebrew people had forgotten the closeness of God, but it was not because God had left them. God is always with his people. Perhaps this is why Isaiah said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Because he is near. Fred Wallace and I love to waste time together occasionally. Fred was over at the house. We were trying to charge up a battery on the lawnmower that would not accept a charge, and yet we were persistent. We were visiting. We had to throw a few horseshoes, too. We like to do that on occasion. We were comparing phone apps. He's got a lot more phone apps than I do on my phone, but he has some treasures and we were sharing back and forth and he said oh oh he said have you seen this one this is a great app and I said what is it he said it is an app that helps you to study the stars and the constellations and I said oh I'm interested in that I had one that was not very good and so I just deleted it he said oh you'll like this one and he said it's it's connected with your phone's GPS. I said, oh. He said, wherever you turn, he said, it will orient you to the sky above you. And in fact, it will give you the, the outline of the constellation. He said, let me show you. And so he picked up his phone and drew up the app and, and he pointed it. I said, it's daytime. He said, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. I said, there are no stars. Doesn't matter, they're there, man. He pointed that phone toward the sky and immediately it showed stars on his phone. And in fact, as he waved it slowly across the heavens, you could make out the constellations that we couldn't see. Now, I know, you know, in the back of my mind somewhere that stars are there, but I don't really think about stars unless I can see them, unless I can see them. Fascinating. Day or night, they're there. I said, here, let me hold that phone. I pointed it, and everywhere I pointed it, I even pointed that phone at the earth, and it showed me where the stars were under the earth. Now, that is a cool app. The prophet reminds the people, be attentive to the presence of God closer than you think. Jesus, as he began his ministry, said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in this good news. Isaiah 
said, let the wicked and the unrighteous return to the Lord because I tell you, it is wickedness to believe that God is distant from us. It is an injustice to the very nature of who God is. Isaiah says he will abundantly pardon, and yet we know this, but we forget that this is a part of the very definition of who God is. I've shared with some of you before that a few years back, Bishop Watson was sharing with the annual conference about the humble school, humble place in Uganda that the South Georgia Conference strongly supported as it began to develop. It's a beautiful establishment now with the coaching of young persons and to giving them an opportunity that they otherwise would not have had to excel and to study books to be able to find a new life and a new vision. Bishop Watson was sharing that he had gone over to visit the school, and while there was in a worship service, the children were at the front. This was outside, he said, before the buildings were put in place, but he said the children were up front, some of the parents were gathered there, the teachers were there, Some of the administration of the school was there in this service. And he said the worship leader got to going during the service, and then he gave that liturgical response. He said, and I knew what he was saying. I knew it immediately and responded to him. He said to us, he said, God is good. Y'all have heard it too. And then I respond, all the time? But, but Bishop Watson said it didn't stop there. He said, he said he couldn't believe that he was hearing this in Uganda, having last heard it in South Georgia. But he said the children gathered there on the front rows. When they said it, they said it this way. He said, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And then they added the line, for that is his nature. Whee! (laughs) He said it was incredible. He said it began to make him think, okay, so who originated this? Maybe the Ugandans originated this. They certainly had made it their own. They had claimed for themselves the closeness of, of God. Do you have this closeness in your thoughts? Isaiah says, in the words of God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is a very good reason to pray and become aware of the nearness of God. Don't you think? This membership covenant is not simply a call, however, to pray For the church, I have erred in giving people that understanding in years past. That's not what it's about. Not that we don't need to be praying for the church. The church needs all the prayer it can get. 
But this membership covenant is a call to be a people of prayer. That is how you support the church, to be a person of prayer, to probe the depths of God's thought and let God's thoughts become our way of thinking. This will benefit you. It will benefit the church. It will benefit the world. Should I pray aloud or silently? Yes is the answer to that. Should I pray privately or should I pray with others? Yes is the answer to that. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. I have not, I have not yet figured out how to do that. I'm I'm still very much engrossed in the idea of it, but I have to admit I have not figured out yet how to do that. But I believe because he said it that it is possible. Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, devote yourselves to prayer. And in fact, let me turn over there just a moment to look at this passage with you because it's interesting he says in four in Colossians chapter four verse two, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. Now, wait a minute. Have you ever asked yourself what you would be praying if you were in prison? I know what I would be praying. I would be praying, God, get me out of prison, right? (laughs) Get me out of this jail. Not the prayer that the Apostle Paul was praying. Paul was praying that in the midst of prison that his word would be fully present to be used in God's purposes. I remember hearing about a missionary couple that had gone to Africa, and when they went, they took with them their young child. The child's immunity was no match for some of the diseases in the community where they were ministering. The child succumbed With his death, they planned a trip back to the United States for the burial. In the airport, when the young couple met the grandparents who were feeling so for them in their pain and also experiencing their own grief, when they met, they heard this young couple say something that was incredible. This young couple said to them, God has entrusted to us a great sorrow. You and I would have tapped them on the shoulder and have said, you have a right to get angry with God at this point, don't you realize? You could say, we went 
in service to God, and here you have taken the price of our life. But they said, God has entrusted to us a great sorrow. I tell you, there is a different way of praying that connects us with God and with other people in incredible ways. Do you know that as we have shared communion together so regularly over the past several months and and even since I've been here at Pittman Park almost a year now, we have shared the Lord's Prayer in a little different way in that communion liturgy. Do you remember that as we enter into the Lord's Prayer, the printed words there are, and now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray. But I've taken the pastor in charge approach to this, and I've added my own words, okay? I add the words, and now with the confidence of the children of God, would you take the hand of someone near you as we share together in our Lord's Prayer? Have any of you picked up on that? And the reason being that as we connect with God, God calls us to connect with each other. We need this connection in order to sustain what prayer truly is meant to be. I invite you to think on this, to even do more than that, to pray over it. Praying over prayer, isn't that interesting? God calls us to be his people of prayer, to grow to be a people, truly a people of prayer. Amen.